Welcome to the Staying Connected podcast, the preaching ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in Montrose, Colorado. I'm Pastor Roland Kennison, and I want to thank you for listening. Rosemont Baptist Mission is passionately bringing people face-to-face with the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. It's our prayer that through this podcast, you'll hear our passion for the gospel and that you will truly experience the transformation that only Jesus can bring. I pray you find the following sermon encouraging and challenging and that it will build you up in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one more thing before we begin. If any of the sermons on our podcast have been helpful to you, would you please let us know? It would be a great help and blessing to us to know that this ministry is being used by God in your life and ministry. Would you tell us where you're located and specifically how this ministry has helped you? We greatly anticipate hearing from you. You can simply email your response to pastor at rosemontbaptist.org. Now, let's begin our time today. And so we're going to look in John 9, verse 1. Talking about Jesus, it says this, And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground, made, a clay, made clay of the spittle, and applied, it, applied the clay to his eyes. And he said, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which translated, sent. And he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, how then were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man who was called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. And they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Now it was the Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees were asking him again how he received his sight, and he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. Then the Jews did not believe it of him, 
that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight and questioning them, saying, Is this your son whom you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So a second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, we know this man is a sinner. And then he answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know, but one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I told you already, and you did not listen. What do you want to hear? Do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples, do you? And they reviled him and said, You are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he is from. And the man answered and said to them, Well, here is an amazing thing that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears them, hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and you're teaching us? So they put him out. And Jesus had heard that they had put him out, and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And he said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world so that those who do not see may see, and those who may see or who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We're not blind too, are we? And he said, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. Let's pray over our chapter of the day. God, we thank you for Jesus Christ, and we thank you for stories like this, where Jesus came and displayed your amazing power. But God, there's a reason he did this. And he did it not so that blind people physically, blind people could see physically, But he healed this man so that we could see spiritually because we are blind. Thank you for that power. 
Thank you for the power to change us from darkness into light. And I pray today that you would teach us this and encourage us with this and help us proclaim this to the world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Francis was born blind March 24th, 1820, about 50 miles north of New York City. And being in the 1820s, there wasn't great medicine. She became blind because at six weeks old, she had a sickness. Infection had gone to her eyes, and the doctor applied some, some sort of salve or something to her eyes to help the infection, and it made her permanently blind at six weeks old. And the girl might have been a burden to her family being, being blind at such a young age, but she had a very godly grandmother who saw great potential in her and began to teach her to see the world through not her eyes, but the eyes of her creator. And after many years of patient instruction, this young girl had showed an extraordinary talent for music and poetry. And so Frances Jane Crosby, or we know her as Franny Crosby, wrote nearly 9,000 hymns. Most of them, I would guess, you who know hymns know. Right? Blessed assurance, he hideth my soul. To God be the glory and many, many others. And you have to wonder if God used her blindness in her life to, to drive her closer to himself, that if she would have been able to see, if she would have developed this other talent. And we can't go back in time. We don't know what God is, is doing in that regard. But maybe she could see better than those who have, who have eyes because she was seeing this world through her creator's eyes. Now, we are, we are going through a, a sermon series, Chris and I, and we're, we're calling this Building Blocks of Discipleship. And we're calling it this because these, these sermons are, are really kind of the foundational aspects of understanding who Jesus is and critical in the life of, of discipleship. If you want to grow in Christ, if you want to know Christ, these are things that are essential. I appreciate what Chris said last week. Discipleship is much more than what we'll be preaching, but it is not less than what we are preaching. These are foundational truths. We're teaching this also because these sermons are really connected to the lessons that we're going to be sharing in Vacation Bible School. You're getting Vacation Bible School lessons. How about that? When was the last time you were in Vacation Bible School? These, these sermons are based on the lessons these kids will have. Hopefully the teachers are listening and will gain some even more information. If you're helping, you'll hear them. But it's more than Vacation Bible School. It is flat-out discipleship. It is understanding who our Savior is and what that means. It is the foundation of Christian faith. 
And so these sermons are going to cover essential elements about Jesus' life that play a part in discipleship. And last week we heard that Jesus came just like God promised. One of the key aspects of understanding Jesus is he was born of a virgin just like God promised. That makes sure that we understand that he is fully God and fully man. And he could not have done that if he was born in a natural way. God miraculously brought the Son of Man into existence. That is, Jesus existed in eternity past, but when he was born, he was born in a miraculous way so that he could be fully God and fully man because that was what was needed to to take away our sins. And so the virgin birth is essential to the truth that we believe in order to become a believer. When we talk to people, Jesus isn't whoever they want him to be. That's not the Jesus that they need to trust in. They need to trust in the Jesus the scripture talks about, and that's the one who was born of a virgin birth. Jesus came just as God promised. The other thing, one, another thing, not the only other thing, but another thing is that when Jesus came, he displayed God's power. He wasn't just some guy. He wasn't just some prophet. He was God in the flesh and had access to all of God's power when, he, when the Father allowed him to do so. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus did miraculous work. He did lots of different things. But whenever he did those things, it was to point toward redemption. He was showing he had power over the physical world when he calmed the sea to show that he had power over the spiritual world. When he raised someone from the dead, he was showing them, yes, I can raise someone physically from the dead, but the greater power is to raise someone spiritually from the dead. And he goes on and on showing that these miraculous works are to point us to the redemptive power that Jesus had. And so it's that's what we're going to see in our passage today. And so as we walk through this passage, I want to look through the story through the lens of three questions. Three questions I want to ask you. And to start off, I want to ask you this. Do you live in darkness or do you live in the light? Do you live in darkness or do you live in the light? In verses 1 through 12, we see that there is a man who is born blind. There is so much in this particular, these 12 verses, I can't cover it all today. I'm not going to try to cover it all today, because, and we'll have to come back and do it another time, because there's too much that's going on here. But there's a man who is born blind. And the disciples show up. And and I can't help read this and notice that the disciples, when they show up, when they come across this blind man who's apparently telling people that he's been born blind, I don't know how they would know that otherwise. He's probably at the temple because people are very generous when they're coming and going to God's house. And they're like, well, maybe if I give a little bit more in in the cup of the blind man, God will see me favorably. And he's like, I was, I'm born blind. Help a man who was born blind, perhaps. And so he is, he is there at the temple. We know he's at the temple from the previous story where, where Jesus was dealing with that. And, and they, are, 
coming to him and the disciples hear this and instead of talking to the blind man or helping the blind man, they go to Jesus and they start talking. Whose fault is it that this man is blind? It must be something he did. Even though he was born blind, there must have been something he did that God is punishing him for. Or perhaps the parents. Maybe God is the kind of God that says these parents have sinned and he's got this lightning bolt and standing there above the person and the minute they slip up, he sends this lightning bolt down and strikes the child blind just to punish them for doing wrong. Maybe that's the kind of God that the disciples were thinking he was. They had a misconception of God here is my point. They saw God just the way the Pharisees saw God. The legalistic religious leaders of the day thought that's what God was like. And the disciples thought that as well. And they're like, whose fault is it? Who can we blame that this person was blind? And Jesus says, you know, you're asking the wrong question. He corrects their thinking. He said, this man is blind so that God's work could be displayed in him. Now, I, th- what I believe this is saying is not that God struck him blind and he was blind for all these years until this moment just so God could be glorified. God takes bad stuff that happens in this world and does glory through it. And this man was blind so God could do glorious work in it. And what was the work that God was going to display? It was the work that only the Messiah would be able to do. We cannot miss this. Throughout the Bible, God did great works through a lot of different people. God did amazing works. We have Moses who stood before Pharaoh and there's these ten plagues. You know, uh, my favorite is the frogs. He's like, hey, Pharaoh, you want frogs? I'm going to give you frogs. And the frogs come. And then all the magicians say, okay, we're going to to have more frogs come. And they call up more frogs. And they are neck deep in frogs. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, you just say when you want the frogs gone. And they'll be gone. And Pharaoh says, how about tomorrow? Because he wanted a day more with the frogs? I don't know. But he says... He says, tomorrow, and Moses says, fine, and the next day, they're neck deep in dead frogs. Everywhere. This is God doing powerful work through Moses. Elijah displayed God's power on Mount Carmel, where he douses the the altar and calls down fire from God, and it consumes the, the, the water and the altar and the sacrifice, and they, they beat all the prophets of Baal. Elijah and Elisha both raise people from the dead. Isaiah displays God's power by having the shadow go back uh, 10 spots, you know, the, essentially turning back time in some way. There was, God did great power through a lot of different people, but it was the Messiah and the Messiah only who was going to open the eyes of the blind. You can read your Old Testament 
And there is one little incident where Elisha takes some guys who could see, they are struck blind, and then he gives their sight back again. But there is no one who opens the eyes of a blind person, but the promised Messiah was going to do that. Look in Isaiah 41. The Father is speaking through Isaiah in chapter 42, and he says, Behold, my servant, speaking of the Messiah, whom I uphold, my chosen one, that's, that's literally what the word Messiah means, the chosen one, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nation. So it's talking about God's chosen one, God's servant. People understood this to be the Messiah. He would have God's spirit upon him. And then he continues in chapter 42, verse 6. Look what he says. I am the Lord. I have called you, the Messiah, in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. Look what it says. To open blind eyes. To bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. One of the important jobs of Messiah, he was going to do a lot of different things, but one of the important things that were reserved for him and only him was to open the eyes of the blind. It says in Isaiah 29, 18, On that day the deaf will hear words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. Out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. Isaiah 35, 5, The eyes of the blind will be open, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The Messiah is going to do great things. He's going to do many things, but he... And he alone will open the eyes of the blind. We cannot miss that. The people, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they knew this. They knew the Messiah was going to open the eyes of the blind. And so when we read the Old Testament, we see that that's what the Messiah is supposed to do. Gideon leads the army to great victory with a 300 people. Elisha and Elijah raise people from the dead. Moses hits a rock and water springs forth. Lots of great works, but only the Messiah is going to open up the eyes of the blind. And so when we get to John 9, and we find that this guy has been blind so that the work of the Messiah is going to be done in him, we find out that this is the work only the Messiah could do. And so Jesus does what anyone who wants to heal the blind does. He spits in the dirt, makes some mud, and smears it in the guy's eyes. How's that for good treatment of a, of a blind person? That's just, that's just strange behavior. And then he says to this blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. It means, it means scent, it says here. John, make sure we understand that it means, when translated, it means sent. It was sent because it was from the spring of Gihon, and it was sent into the city, and it made a pool there, and people would, would go and get water there. And he says, go wash those eyes in the pool. Now think through this. Picture yourself on the outside, you know, right there watching this happen. Picture yourself as the blind man. 
You hear some people talking about you. Is this this guy's sin or that or his parents' sin? Who sinned because this blind man is being punished by God? And then all of a sudden you feel someone smearing mud in your eyes and say, you need to go wash that off. Well, this man had a choice to make. He had to respond or not. He could have wiped the mud from his eyes and say, if I leave this post, I got a prime post here at the, at the temple. I mean, there are people that are given to me good today. And if I leave and go wash, I'm going to lose this post because some, somebody else is going to come and get this. I mean, my life isn't great, but it's pretty good because I'm getting some good crumbs from people. Or he could respond and go wash in this pool of scent. And he responded by going and washing. And for the first time in this man's life, he's of age, so probably over 20. He washes his eyes, gets the mud out, and sees light. And for the first time in his life, he can see And I wonder as he's washing in that pool if the first thing he sees is his own reflection. I don't know. I wonder when he looks out and sees a tree, he's like, wow, that's a tree. Or maybe what in the world is that thing? He he didn't know what a tree was. Or the birds that are in the tree and watching them fly, hearing their sound but never seeing what it really was. Or seeing colors for the first time. This man saw for the very first time. What was his reaction when he went to tell his parents and for the first time in his life, he saw his face of his parents. This life, this guy's life was radically changed. He was no longer the same. You got it? He was blind, living in darkness, and now his entire life is different. He can see. And this was not some sort of restorative act that Jesus did. Whatever this guy's eyes needed to see was not created at birth. He was missing something in his eyes. We don't know what it was, but when the eyes don't work, something's missing. And so Jesus didn't just restore some sort of previous ability to see He created something in this miraculous work. It was a creative act. And he he did something. And this man then who lived in darkness and who was helpless and wandered around as a beggar and an outcast, unable to do anything on his own, was changed. Because Jesus created this thing in his, in his eyes. The Messiah displayed God's work, and from that day on, he lived in the light. And you can see what it says. I mean, he has changed. The neighbors are coming, they're saying, well, that, this is the guy who was born blind. This is blind Ralph. You know, I don't know what his name was. It's blind Ralph. And they're like, no, it's not, because Ralph is blind and this guy can see. And others were saying, no, this is him. 
And some were saying, no, it's, a, it's some dude that looks just like Blind Ralph, but it's not Blind Ralph. And all the time it says, and this is the first thing we hear this blind man saying, I am the one. It's me. This guy has so radically changed that people don't recognize him. He is different. He's not wandering around trying to, to find where to go. He is up Running, jumping, I don't know, trying to get a better look at the birds or the trees, whatever he's doing. He is a changed, a changed man. And all he could do was tell people, I can see. I can see. It's me. I am the one. Yes, just a minute ago I was begging because I couldn't see. And now I can, I, I can fend for myself and... I'm a different man. And Jesus says that he moved, really what he's saying, is he moved this man from darkness into the light physically. And he says in verse 5, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. See, he's making this connection between what he did physically with this man and what he does spiritually in the lives of people. Because that's the point. The point isn't our God is a God who makes people who are physically blind to see. That is not the point. If you watch some people on television, sometimes you get the, you get the thinking that's the point, but that's not the point. It's not that blind people can see. It's that we are all blind spiritually and he makes us to see spiritually. We are all living in darkness. When we are born, we are born into darkness. We are born spiritually blind and we are helpless and we wander around. We cannot help for ourselves. We're outcasts. And the light of the world shines his light into us and brings us into light. That is our story. That is the story here. Jesus comes to us and says, go wash in the water of life. Go wash into the sent one. It is not coincidence that the pool is the pool of scent and the Messiah means the chosen one, the sent one. Go wash in the water of life. Go be washed in the blood of the lamb, we might say as church folks. And when we respond by faith, when we hear that we're living in darkness and the light of the world can smear some mud in our eyes, so to speak, and make us see again, then, then and when we respond in faith by being going and getting washed in the pool of the water of life, Jesus transfers us from darkness into light. The question is, are you living in darkness or are you living in light? As we look through this, we need to ask that question. Are you someone who has trusted in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone to bring you from darkness into light? Or are you still this blind beggar trying to get your scraps from whatever someone may try to give you, trying to do it on your own? 
Or are you willing to throw that down, give up your place in this great spot that you have? You're blind, you're an outcast, it's not working for you, but I'm going to keep hold of it. Or are you willing to let that go and go wash in Jesus Christ and be moved into the light? Do you live in darkness or do you live in light? Every one of us sitting here is living in darkness or living in light depending upon what Jesus has done in our life. And it's dependent upon how we respond to Jesus. And so my second question is, looking at the second part of this chapter, is have you responded to Jesus with skepticism or in faith? Have you responded to Jesus with skepticism or with faith? From 13 to 24, we have these three interrogations or interviews or whatever. The Pharisees are like, okay, we need to know what's happening because this dude is messing up our organization. Right? These people are getting out of hand. They're trusting in God all by themselves. They don't need us anymore. I mean, something has got to be done. And this Jesus guy is disrupting our, our plan. And so you can, you can understand why they were brought then to the Pharisees. And their biggest complaint with Jesus wasn't that he made a blind guy see, is that he did this on the Sabbath. And they had some rules. Not the rules that God made out. God said, hey, if there's an ox in the ditch on the Sabbath, go rescue the ox. If your neighbor's in need, help your neighbor in need on the Sabbath. God has grace even in the law. But they said, well, if God says you can't work on the Sabbath, then we're going to add all these other things that declare what work is, and you sure couldn't need. He spit on the ground, and he needed some mud, right? Like he would dough, and that's against the Pharisaical law. Not God's law, but their law. And then he anointed the eyes, and you can't do that on the Sabbath. And so their main concern wasn't that Jesus did what only the Messiah could do, as we already saw. Their main concern was that he broke our law. He broke our rules. He broke the Sabbath. And you should read this, you should read this sometime because the comparison here is the skepticism of the Pharisees and the faith of, of everyone else <laughs> that's, that's in this passage. They ask the man, who is this? Who did this? Now they knew that the Messiah was going to be the only one who could open up the man's eyes. So they wanted to know, who was this Messiah? And he says... First, he said to the neighbors in verse 11, this was before he went to the Pharisees, he says, a man named Jesus. Now they asked him, who do you think he is? And he says, well, he's a prophet. You see, he's moving up in the world in this guy's eyes. He was a man, now he's a prophet. Because how else could he have done this? And they, he, they couldn't get the answers they were looking for, so they brought the blind man's parents. Surely someone's putting on some sort of hoax, some sort of scam. So they said, is this really your son? Yes, we can detest. This is our son. But he wasn't born blind, was he? Well, yeah, he was. And the last 20, 30 years, whatever it's been, has been a burden for us. But we don't know how it happened. And they said that 
It sounds like they did know how it happened, but they were afraid because it says that the Pharisees said they would kick anyone out of the synagogue who would proclaim Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ, which means they would be kicked out of any kind of religious expression in their community. They weren't be allowed, we would might say they were excommunicated. They couldn't come to the church. They had no access to God. They did, but they, the religious leaders would say, you can't worship here. And then the neighbors couldn't talk with them. And they, were just, they would become outcasts themselves even more so. And so they were afraid to answer. And so they brought them, and they just said, yes, this is our son. He was born blind, but we don't know what happened. He's of age, ask him. They brought him back in, and, he's, and now he's getting some confidence, right? Now he's being, this last section, I heard some of you giggling because it's funny. He's, he, it is. He's like, hey, um, you, you don't want to become his disciple too. Is that why you keep asking me about this? And he knows he's ticking them off. He knows they are not liking that. And they said, this man's a sinner, and he gives one of the best testimonies. Look, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know is I was blind, this man touched my life, and I can see. And there is nothing they can do to change that testimony. They can reject it, they can be skeptical about it, they can try to shut him up, but the truth of the matter is he was living in darkness, experienced Jesus, and now can see. And that is our testimony. You can tell anybody that I was living in darkness and I accepted Christ into my life. He changed me and now I can see. And they can say, I don't believe it. And you can say, I don't care. <laughs> I was blind. I can see. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what they think about it. It is the truth of the matter. And so he's, he tells them, there's one thing I know. He was blind, and now I see. And then all of a sudden, he begins to say that Jesus is not just a man, and he's not just a prophet, that he says that this man is from God. Because he starts saying, if this man, in verse 33, were not from God, he could do nothing. And then they kicked him out. They put him out. And what that means is they did kick him out of the, they, they kicked him out of the sanctuary or the, uh, out of the synagogue. He couldn't worship with them anymore. There was going to be no testimonies of some blind man who came to know sight in their synagogue, right? We don't want to hear that testimony, they said. We don't want to hear anybody who came to know Jesus and then could see. They weren't going to hear that in their sanctuary. They refused to see it. And this is the irony in this passage. The blind man could now see, but those who were seeing could not refuse to see. This is the, this is the point Jesus is going to be making in a little bit. Only... Think, think about the whole logic of this. Only the Messiah could heal the blind. That was something they understood from Scripture. This man was blind from birth, and now he could see. 
So a blind person could now see. Jesus was the one who touched him, and now he could see. So logically, it's Jesus did what only the Messiah could do, so Jesus is the Messiah. That's the logical way they should have approached that. But they would not accept it. This doubt led to rejection, and then it led to rejection of anyone who would make that claim. The man said, this guy healed me, and they said, get out. We don't want to hear that. The parents were afraid of, that testim- of making that testimony. And so in verse 11, we see him call Jesus, man, this man Jesus. Verse 17, he is called a prophet. And by the end of the, the, the second interrogation of him, he says he's from God. And he tells the work Jesus has done in his life. And as he does that, he is drawn closer and closer to who Jesus really is. But he's not there yet. He can see physically But he would not be what we would call yet saved. That's what we might say. He's getting there. He's getting closer. But he has not recognized exactly who Jesus is. And so these interviews give us that irony of the Pharisees who are skeptical. And they reject what their eyes can see. They are blind spiritually. And while this blind man is becoming more and more, uh, uh, he could see more and more what's really going on. Helen Keller, on shortly before her 16th birthday, she expressed pity for those who really are the ones who cannot see, who have eyes and do not see. She said, if the, blind were put, if the blind put their hands in God's, they find their way more surely than those who see, but have not faith or purpose. Her physical blindness had given her spiritual insight that enabled her to, to get to that truth, that if the blind would just put their hand in God's hand and allow him to lead, they could see. But those who could see and refuse to surrender to God are more blind than than those who are physically blind. And so the question I have for you is where do you fall in these two camps? When God displays his power, do you respond with skepticism or do you respond in faith? Sitting here today, God has worked in your life. At the very least, he has provided a way for redemption. How have you responded? With doubt and skepticism and remaining spiritually blind? Or have you responded in faith and moved toward the light? Today, we are either living in darkness or living in the light. And, it, and that is dependent upon how we've responded to the saving power of Jesus Christ if we responded with doubt or with faith. And it really boils down to just one more question that I'm going to leave you with, and that is, do you think Jesus is just a man or do you believe he is Lord? 
I'm going to read these verses because they're worth reading. Look at what it's, they're all worth reading. I don't mean that. I just mean we need to focus on them. So verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had put him out. The, the, the guy who was formerly blind, they put him out. And finding him, Jesus said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and he is the one who was talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world so that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. And those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said, we're not blind too, are we? And Jesus says, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, we see Your sin remains. There's a lot here as well, but I want to point out to you that Jesus is the seeking Savior. Jesus heard this man had put out, and Jesus went to find him. He is the shepherd who goes finds the lost lamb. This man didn't find Jesus. Jesus found him. He was looking for him, and he went he had, he had healed him physically, and he could see, but there was more work than just the physical that God needed done in his life. And so Jesus was seeking him out to do something more in his life. The Pharisees had kicked him out. They didn't want to see him anymore. And Jesus, though, he went looking for him. And Jesus asks him a simple question, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, this was a messianic term. It was used by Daniel to talk about the Messiah. In Daniel 7, 13 and 14, this is what it says. And this is where the title Son of Man comes from. Daniel 7, 13. I kept looking in the night visions, Daniel says. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, the one like the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. The Son of Man was presented before the Ancient of Days. That's a a title for the Heavenly Father. And then the Son of Man was given a kingdom which every person on this planet from every tribe and tongue and language would worship Him and serve Him. And He was given a kingdom that would never end. This is who the Son of Man was. And the Pharisees understood that. The Jewish people understood it. So when Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? He's asking, do you believe in this guy? That there is one coming who is going to rule over all who everyone will serve, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, that will have an everlasting kingdom. Do you believe in that man? Do you believe in the Messiah? And so he's going to this blind man and he says, do you believe in the Messiah? And he's stumped. A blind man says, well, who is he? Now he's listening to Jesus because he knows this is the guy who's opened his eyes. He's like, I'll, 
if there's someone I should believe in, just tell me who it is, and I'll believe in him. Who is he? And Jesus says, it's, it's the guy talking to you. It is the guy who moved you from darkness to light, who smeared the mud in your eyes, told you to go wash, and then you could see. And he responds, look how he responds. Lord, I believe. Would you not say the same thing? (laughs) The guy who healed you from blindness, from your whole life standing before you, and he says, I am the son of man. I am the one that all nations will serve who will have an everlasting kingdom. Do you believe? And he says, I believe. And he began to worship Jesus at this point. He has moved from a man, from a prophet, from a, from a God, I mean, from, from someone who was from God to the Messiah. And he says, I believe. There is that progressive, that, that progressive understanding of getting to the point where he says, okay, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who can save. And so he found this man, he opened his eyes physically, but he did it to show what he says in the end here, that he can open spiritual eyes of anyone who will make the same confession as this man. He says, those who are rebelliously arrogant like the Pharisees who say, I can see plenty fine. I don't need Jesus in my life. He says, when you say we see, your arrogant rebellion means your sin has remained. You have not confessed the need. Because you can say, I can see plenty fine, but the truth is we are blind without Christ. But the person who says, yes, I am a helpless, beggar, wandering, purposeless within this life. I am blind and I need the touch of the Savior for me to see. That person can see. Because they've made the declaration, Jesus can save me. That's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus came just like God promised. That's what we learned last week. Then when he walked on this earth, fully God, fully man, he displayed God's power. And the miracles performed that displayed God's power were to show us that he could do only what God could do, and that is deal with our sin. Look in 1 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians. See, the scripture says we are blind. 2 Corinthians 4, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The good news of Jesus Christ is veiled to those who don't know the gospel. They cannot see it. In whose case, it says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. See, we look at the world and we see people who are rejecting God's created order on gender and identity and sexual uh, stuff and, 
and how to live their lives and how to handle money and, and all that. And we want to blame, like the disciples. It's their own fault that they're in this mess. Or their parents should have done better. Or whatever it is. But the fact of the matter is, the God of this age are blinding people. They cannot see. They are blind beggars wanting something. And we can be like the disciples who say, whose fault is it? Theirs or their parents? Who can we blame for their lostness? But look what it says. Verse 5, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bronze servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It is not whose fault it is that they're lost. It's that God who could speak light into existence can speak into that heart and show the light of the gospel. And he has given us the responsibility of preaching that to people. He has told us in Matthew 5, you were the light of the world. A light under a bushel, I mean, a light shouldn't be hidden under a bushel. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine, right? You were the light of the world. Because we are like the moon. The sun shines upon us and we just reflect the light of the sun. And that's how the blind world begins to see. The good news of Jesus Christ has been hidden to the world because Satan has blinded them. But darkness doesn't stop our God. He speaks and light shines in. The God who says light shall shine, let there be light. He can say it and light would shine the truth of the gospel pierce their hearts. You don't have to live in spiritual darkness. Today, I'm praying that if you do not know Christ, he has shown you the darkness that you have lived in. You do not have to live in spiritual darkness. Jesus came to give you sight. He came so you could see. Would you give your life to him? Those who have trusted in Christ, maybe you know someone who needs to hear the power of God. Maybe you just need to give the testimony of this man. I was blind, and now I see. I'll have you bow your heads and think through this. Believer, are you faithfully sharing what God has done? This man couldn't go around. He had, he had radically changed. Everywhere he went, he had to give a testimony. I am the one. I am the blind man. I am, Jesus touched my, touched my eyes and I could see. He, all he could do was give testimony because his life had been radically changed. Are we doing the same? 
Or are we holding on? Are we still kind of acting like we're blind? And to the person today who has never trusted in Christ, you might be coming to church. That doesn't save you. You may pray, you may give, you may read your Bible. Those don't save you. Have you ever made the decision in your heart that Jesus is the Messiah? He is the King. What he says goes in my life. And if there's never been a surrender, then you are living in darkness. But Jesus, Jesus can bring you into the light. I'd ask you to make that decision today. While there's still time, while you have today, while you have this moment, make a decision for Christ. God, we come to you. We thank you for the powerful work that Jesus did while he was on this earth. Doing what only the Messiah could do. But it's not about physical blindness. It's about our spiritual blindness. But it's only the work that Jesus can do. God, we cannot do anything to make ourselves move from darkness to light. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves. So God, we trust that Jesus Christ died on the cross in our place. All our sin laid upon him, judged guilty, and our sin be put to death through him. We trust in that. And that he rose up from the grave to give us the promise that we would never, if we trust in him, spend a minute apart from you. That death would not separate us. Death would not have power over us ever again because we trust in Jesus' death and resurrection. And God, if there's someone here who has never made that decision, God, laying on their hearts right now and burden them in such a way that they can do nothing else before they trust in you. God, you are seeking them out right now. And I pray they sense that. Help them to see the light of the gospel of truth. Speak light. Let there be light into their life so they understand what Jesus has done for them and they can turn their life to you. God, move now in a way that only you can. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Staying Connected podcast, the preaching ministry of Pastor Roland Kennison from Rosemont Baptist Church in Montrose, Colorado. We pray the Lord will use this sermon to help you in your life and ministry. If you found this podcast helpful, would you consider contributing to our ministry? You can give online at www.rosemontbaptist.org forward slash give. If you live in Western Colorado or you're visiting the area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning. Our services start at 10.45 a.m. You can also watch our worship service live through our website at rosemontbaptist.org. 
may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.